Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down with Chris Castillo to talk all about addressing recurring patterns that are sabotaging your success. Now, let's talk a little bit more about Chris. Chris is the founder of Empowered Achievers, where she works as a career clarity coach, helping millennials build professional lives in small businesses that fulfill their true calling. Originally coming from the corporate advertising industry, where she worked with clients like Google, YouTube, and Expedia, she traded in the agency life for the world of talent development and culture. She ultimately created her own company, Empowered Achievers, when she realized her deepest calling was to help others find their calling as well and transition into a life of fulfillment doing the work that they love. I hope you enjoy Chris and I's conversation as we talk all about how we can address those recurring patterns that are sabotaging your success. Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. I'm so happy to be joined with Chris Castillo. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk to our audience all about how we can address those recurring patterns that are sabotaging our success. But before we go there, Chris, would you please just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Um, my background is I'm Chris Castillo. I'm the founder of Empowered Achievers, as you mentioned. And I started my business because I've been in the same place that a majority of folks are when they come to me. So I'm a career clarity coach. I primarily work with people who are trying to figure out what it is that they want to do within their career. And in my experience, I am ex-ad agency. So I originally worked kind of like at my peak at an ad agency in San Francisco on the Google account. They were my main account um, and running all of their mobile media advertising. And it was very much one of those things that was like perfect career on paper. I had studied marketing in college. So it seemed kind of like a natural fit. And a few years into working in advertising, I started to have the feeling of, I don't know if this is actually what I want to do, or if I'm just doing it because it seemed like the logical next step from undergrad and I didn't know what else to do. And so, uh, finding out that you've fallen into your career is not a particularly good feeling. And when (laughs) I went through it, it was very scary and very isolating. And you think you're the only one. And so I started empowered achievers in 2016 to help people through that same transition, because When I went through it, it was a little messy and it took some time for me to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. And my goal is to help make that process easier and smoother for every single one of my clients. Yes. Well, and your role is so important today. We obviously, I mean, all the data is there. We know people are leaving organizations or looking for something, you know, maybe greater, more diversity in the opportunities, mm-hmm. opportunities for growth, whatever that might be. I'm just so glad that you're a resource and an asset for someone to have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I relate to that. I just, I think, as you said, so many people can relate to that, finding yourself in a career and being like, how did I get here? How did I, am I happy? Am I just staying here? Because I really, you know, it's comfortable. And I think, and we're talking about, you know, recurring patterns. I'm sure we'll get into it, but so many people just stay because it's comfortable. Oh yeah. Are you seeing more people now too, just because they're like, I need to leave or like, what are you seeing now as a result of the pandemic's impacts and kind of this big quit? Yeah. So Totally to your point, staying because you're comfortable, not that compelling of a reason. Um, but I think when it comes to the last two years, it's been super interesting time in the career coaching space because yes, in my experience, we've seen a total shift. My hypothesis, whether it's true or not, but my theory is that uh, because of the pandemic, a lot of people had all of those additional things that were keeping them satisfied with their job moved away. And then they had to just concentrate on the work and ask whether they liked it. So 
they left the office and maybe they were working from home and they didn't have the happy hours or the cool perks or the snacks or the coworkers who they really love or whatever else myriad of things were keeping them engaged and excited about their role. And so at the end of the day, they were stuck just sitting at home doing the work. And a lot of these people, I think, started scratching their head and saying, is this, is this work even exciting to me? And so it's definitely been an interesting time in this space to see, you know, the, the fallout of that, let's say. I love that perspective. And it seems obvious when you say it, I'm sure someone's like, you could have known better, but no, really, you don't, you kind of forget about those other things that make your work have meaning. Like, I love my colleagues. I love being able to come in and say, hi, everyone, or hear Mm -hmm. what they're doing. And it's just harder to do in this virtual or hybrid world where people aren't working the same hours. And you're right. A lot of those things that added so much joy, you know, they, they just look different today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when they're stripped away, you're left with just the work and it's, and it's a lot (laughs) harder to, to stifle the doubts you might be having. So this isn't the podcast topic, but as a reminder, (laughs) Think about ways that you can engage your people because they may have lost out on some of those social connections that will be important to keep them. That's our our PSA to anyone that's wanting to change to keep them. Um, But of course, we know, and I know that this is true for you too. If you're not happy, we know that you're probably not producing the best for the organization or the team. And so it's okay to leave. Mm -hmm. But that's not where we're talking. I love the topic that we're going to go with. We're going to talk about recurring patterns. Okay, so this is recurring patterns that are sabotaging our success. Chris, let's let's kick it off. What are recurring patterns? Yeah. So the way I always explain it is the things that just keep happening and happening and happening, and you can't quite explain why, right? So oftentimes when that's the case, sometimes we might be the common thread, unfortunately, as, un- <laughs> as uncomfortable as that is to yeah, admit. Um, <laughs> I know it's, it's a bummer, but I think the, the best way that I can kind of explain it is it's that recurring gap between ideal versus reality. So I keep wanting, I keep saying that I want A to happen, but B keeps happening instead. What the heck is that about? Those are the kind of, when we talk about recurring patterns, that's what we mean. The things that keep happening, the things that keep uh, leading you down the path that you say you don't want, but for some reason it's the path you're walking down anyways. Oh my gosh. So let's talk about what those are. So what are some examples of recurring patterns? I mean, I can probably see the one for me of just you know, being indifferent or just going with the flow, but from your expertise, what do you see most with your clients? Yeah. So, so there are (laughs) hordes and hordes of them. Um, I particularly work with, uh, people who identify as like high achievers. And so those high achievers tend to be the people who have always been, uh, you know, if I want something to get done, I go to you people on the team and they're used to hearing that. And so one that's really common for them is I have to do all of the things, the feeling like, I need to prove myself as an employee because any doubts that I might feel about that, I need to cover that up by just working 10x as hard as everyone else. So they end up being into the office at those maybe not so wanted hours. So like that's something that we often see as a recurring pattern that we need to address. Um, this perfectionism and choices of like, I have to make the right choice, that extreme pressure. Uh, we often see recurring patterns come up as as the shoulds people think about their career. So that when people say, the only way to be successful is X, Y, and Z. Like those are all what I would explain or what I would kind of identify as recurring patterns with clients, because these are the things that logically we know better than, and we think, you know, we kind of conceptually can say, I know this isn't true, but we're going through each day acting as if it is true. Does that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
No, I mean, I think it rings true, like from that perfectionist standpoint, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you probably have heard that expression, right? The recovering perfectionist, that mm-hmm. is one of the recurring patterns that still shows up that I have to combat mm-hmm. and just say, it's okay, it's okay. Done is better than perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so I love just shedding the light. And also from that leadership perspective, I know at Crestcom, you know, we teach leadership development. And so often in the classes, you just hear leaders feeling like I have to do it all. I have to do it all. And then it's like, they keep piling on all of it. And Mm -hmm. it's like weights where they're just sinking and sinking and sinking. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you help people highlight these, but you had said it earlier. Sometimes people don't know. They don't have that self-awareness. So how do you even begin to maybe identify these patterns? How do you help people, I guess, grow their own self-awareness? They might hear perfectionism when you say it, but Mm. how do you notice it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it can be it can be tricky. So I think that's a very fair question. I mean, when I work with clients, we'll often start by, um, going through like all kinds of exercises to look at how do I think about work and what are the challenges that I face? One of the things we'll talk about are those, as we, as we mentioned, the gaps between ideal versus reality. So what are the things you keep saying you want to do that aren't happening and what's happening instead? And what's between those things? So for example, if I keep saying, I want to leave my job at a reasonable hour. And every single time I start a new job, I say, you know what? This time's going to be different. I'm going to leave at 5 p.m. on Tuesday and it's going to be great. And then two weeks in, all of a sudden it's 9 p.m. and you don't know how it happened. (laughs) That would be an example of a gap between ideal versus reality, what you keep saying versus what you're actually doing. And so those are the things where we have to work on the patterns. And that to me is, I think, like the, the probably easiest, most simple exercise you can do to say, Hey, where are my gaps? Where are the patterns that are maybe not serving me in the way I'd like them to? That's typically a really good place to start. My gosh, I love that because I think that's an easy point. Like if you're listening to this as a leader, what is your ideal? What do you want that to look like? Whether it is within your specific job functions or even what you would want your relationship with your team to be like, Mm -hmm. what is that ideal? And what's your reality and what's holding you back from getting there? And I I think from that leadership space, you know, you had talked about those recurring patterns of perfectionism, feeling like you have to do all of the things or get them all right, or have all of the answers or Mm -hmm. feeling like no one else can do it, but me. And, but yet I want people to be competent, but yet I'm not giving them the opportunities to learn. And I'm just saying this for some of the people that still might be Am I doing this? Well, yes, hundred percent. Examples, <laughs> and it, it's like it's exactly like that. It's like a cycle, right? Because it's the thing that you know better than, right? Can, again, at a conceptual level, you can say like, I know that it's probably not good for me to think that I'm the only person who can get X, Y, and Z done on my team, and that I can't rely on people, and yet you know, just keep doing it. That's how we know it's a pattern. And so, yes, giving someone that exercise, because it is very hard to step out and identify with them within yourself. And I think uh, kind of bonus add on for that is you can always ask people who know you really well. So like if you have a partner, a good friend, a manager who you've worked with for years or a mentor, someone who knows you super well, they can also sometimes help clue you in with, hey, are we seeing a gap of I keep saying I want A, but B happens instead? those people can also sometimes help clue you into those things if you're feeling particularly stuck and unsure about what they might be. Do you ever notice that people are aware of it? And I mean, you talked about this example with, I'm going to start this new job and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to work reasonable hours. I'll be out at five o'clock or whatever that might be every day. But do you ever just notice people being 
still resistant. So like they might first hear that it's an issue, but really resistant to owning it and being like, that's still not me. There's still something else that's happening out there. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's, it's always, it's always much nicer to, instead of looking at what can I do about it? It's always, it feels, feels a lot comfier to be like, who else is making this happen to me? So yeah, that's, that's super normal. Um, I think it's, it's important to know that like, when it comes to this thing, our resistance to looking at it, you're not ready to do it until you're ready. And that sounds like a silly statement, but I think it's a really important one to take in when you think about it. Until you're ready to actually deal with these patterns, you're going to just keep repeating them, repeating them, repeating them. Um, and that's okay. Like I've, I've, I've had folks at the end of this work say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I waited, you know, 30 something years to figure this out. I'm like, well, aren't you glad you figured it out now? instead of, you know, waiting 30 more. Um, and there's no right timeline. Like you'll, you'll be ready to confront it when you're ready to confront it, but yeah, it can be scary and resi- people can be resistant to looking at it at first. Cause it's not particularly a comfortable or fun thing to do. <laughs> no. Well, and I think, and maybe, uh, maybe I'm thinking about an example because I've worked with people that maybe have that victim mentality. The world is against me. Everything mm-hmm. is happening. And so, you know, they again, don't even have that ability to maybe they might see a little bit of how they could be contributing to that, but yet they still want to blame. They want to say it's someone else's fault, or they just want to assume that they have no power. So they're playing Mm -hmm. that role of like that victim. And so that's where that comes from. Probably because I can just think of that example of the person I wish could hear that. You are spot on. (laughs) I I had actually a, uh, team lead years ago who explained this concept of being at cause versus being at effect. And the way we were trained on this was you can either be at cause of acknowledging your cause within a situation or at effect, meaning in two situations. So just like that person you're explaining, uh, maybe you go into a performance review expecting a promotion and you don't get the promotion. The at cause person would say, or let's use at effect first. The at effect person might say, oh my gosh, I didn't get promotion. My manager said that I didn't have enough management experience to start leading people. Isn't that awful? And then the conversation ends there. The at cause people say, oh my gosh, I went in, I didn't get this promotion because my manager said I don't have enough experience managing people. And I guess I didn't either take on enough projects or take on enough things to show them that even though I haven't managed people directly, I have experience that could be applicable to stepping into that role, right? And so- it's such a slight difference, but a very important one. So to your point, when we're in that victim mentality of like, well, I guess my hands are tied. It's not a very empowering place to be. Um, and so if that's, I think, an important distinction that just kind of helps to visualize it that way for me, at least. Yes. And I love, I just love that simple tool. So here it goes to everyone listening. <laughs> Maybe this is your opportunity to ask yourself if there's a situation where it's not bringing you joy. Are you responding in an at cause or an at effect? I love that, Chris. So we talk, we're obviously talking about self-awareness. How are we showing up? So how do you begin to identify your own patterns? Is it really just thinking specifically with the ideal versus the reality? Or do you have other tips and techniques that you would maybe reference to help someone get started? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the easiest way for like a, a quick approach to this. So typically this is something that I spend weeks and weeks with clients on. We go through a bunch of things talking about, yeah, what they've seen in roles in the past. Often when I when I do this with clients, we're talking about it in the context of 
what do I want to do within my career? And so a lot of the times we spend uh, focused on the pressures of what I think my career should be and the expectations and all of those things. And they often lead us into some certain patterns of, I only look at jobs that, you know, align with whatever it is that I was told was a good career or anything else in that vein. Um, and so, yeah, well, this is something that I'll often spend weeks with clients on, but I think in terms of short version for people who are listening to this podcast, if they want to start to say, Hey, what are the patterns in my career that are maybe not as useful to me as I think they are ideal versus reality, uh, gap is uh, often a good spot to start. Yeah. I love that. You mentioned it like, as you're just sharing a lot of different things that people might experience or reservations that they might have. How do you think some of these recurring uh, thought patterns started for people? Yeah. So for the most part, a lot of these things stem back from things that we've heard and then accumulated proof of, right? So for example, um, if you grew up being told often like, be sure you're making the right choice. Is that a good decision? You know, whatever else things you've likely deduced that there are right and wrong choices. And then you've probably developed a lot of black and white thinking and extreme pressure of there is a right choice and there is the wrong choice. So I better make the right choice and pressure, pressure, pressure often leads to overanalyzing and inaction. Um, and so it's the things that we've heard that have then kind of like fodder has been given to them over time. Um, Another example I would use, which is like a silly one, but I think is kind of help, can illustrate how this happens, is the tooth fairy. So if you were a kid and you were told that the tooth fairy is going to come collect your teeth when you lose them and leave some something under your pillow, uh, you are told that, that that's a true thing. You hear it from someone. And then everything you see is going to affirm that this is true. So I put my pillow under the, or I put my tooth under the pillow and it's gone the next day. There's a quarter there or whatever. Um, that affirms to me that this is right. Or, oh, my door was left open and I put it, you know, closed when I went to bed or something like that. Right. So it's kind of like things that we've heard over time that then get affirmed based on, uh, what is it? Affirmation bias. That's not the word, but based on bias, like our own. Yeah. Yeah. Confirmation yes. bias. Absolutely. Like what? Yeah, confirmation bias. There we go. <laughs> hey, this is no, but it, I mean, I can absolutely see that. I think when I think about even how patterns started for me, because this is hard. And we talked about going back to childhood that the lessons start there. They absolutely mm-hmm. do. You may, whatever that environment might look like. But I also noticed that even though I would say that I had relatively high self-awareness, what I didn't realize is that my first I'm going to call it my five to eight years of post undergraduate career. I don't even think I realized that the feedback and how I was processing that feedback and applying it to myself was actually creating new patterns mm-hmm. or just new ways of like, you're never making the mark 10. You're always to this. You're just that you're to this. Like, mm-hmm. and then it kind of started this. You need to be perfect. You have mm-hmm. to make sure that you're always, you know, everyone in the room likes you, mm-hmm. or if you are assertive, then, you know, that people won't like you. So make sure that mm-hmm. you, you know, sit back and smile and be nice. Yeah. And then it yeah. just starts. And I feel like it perpetuates like, oh, well then in a meeting, I can't be my ideal self. Like, because in reality, I was told that that was not okay. And so that's what I think about in terms of even my early years. Cause I picked, I picked up so much, let's call it career baggage as it relates to recurring patterns from those situations. Totally. No, I think, I think you are spot on. It's, it's, it's not all your childhood. It's just, it's the little seeds that get planted 
whenever they get planted. And then over time, they grow and grow and grow because you keep saying, hey, yeah, remember when someone told me that my personality was a little bit too much? Well, this experience also affirmed that my personality is indeed too much. So I better listen to that advice. So yeah, it can happen at any point. Which it may be, and I know this is a little off topic, but it's, I, I'm curious what you would say is, let's say I got a piece of feedback and how do you discern feedback? Maybe to say, should I apply this to myself or should I say, Hey, that was great feedback, but I'm actually not going to take that on. Yeah. I, mean, for that? I know that's off, off script and off where we were going to go, but it, I think it's also helpful in understanding that you can choose to stop that before it comes in and becomes a pattern. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think it's a, a great question. Um, and I, I guess my kind of quick answer on that is I feel like a lot of that comes with self-awareness and confidence and time. And that's something that can be built and it can be developed. But I think part of that, like I know, at least in my experience, I think for many years, I was very beholden to other people's opinions and how are people going to respond to this? And, oh my gosh, if I, you know, before I started my business, I had to confront my own head trash, uh, which showed up as a pattern of, I keep saying I want to start my business, but I never do. Well, that pattern was based on some head trash of, oh my gosh, this would be so, what if I... And what if I fail and everyone sees, and wouldn't that be the most devastating, embarrassing thing ever? And so I think, you know, for many years, I was very concerned about other people's opinions, but part of that just came with time and experience and also pushing myself outside of that comfort zone enough to, you know, the first few times I would do things for my business, I kind of had to cover my eyes and hit post. (laughs) And then over time, it became so much easier. So I think that somewhat inadvertently answered your question of like, how do we, how do we know what stuff to take on and what stuff not to. I think part of that is time, part of that's experience, and part of that's building your confidence and sense of self to know that you are not responsible to anyone but yourself for in a lot of ways. Yes. I love that. You are not responsible to anyone but yourself. You always get to choose what you take on and you get to choose whether or not you want to entrust or trust that individual's feedback. They may not even be someone you like, yet you listen to them. Like that is always the piece that, and I know that I've done this. It could be someone that I don't even respect, but then if they give me a piece of negative criticism, I, what? Mm But I don't Crosscom is a global organization dedicated to developing effective leaders. Companies all over the world have seen their managers transformed into leaders through our award-winning and accredited leadership development programs. Our signature BPM program provides interactive management training with a results-oriented curriculum and prime networking opportunities. If you're interested in learning more about our flagship program and developing your managers into leaders, please visit our website to find a leadership trainer near you. Or maybe you yourself have always wanted to train and develop others. Crosscom is a global franchise with ownership opportunities available throughout the world. If you have ever thought about being your own boss, owning your own business, and leveraging your leadership experience to impact businesses and leaders in your community, Crosscom may be the right fit for you. We're looking for professional executives who are looking for a change and want to make a difference in people's lives. Learn more about our franchise opportunity on the Own a Franchise page of our website at crosscom.com. So what happens when we don't? Going back to those patterns, what happens if we just sit, 
you know, kind of on our hands if we just maintain complacency or just avoid addressing them in general. Yeah. So if we see recurring patterns, or again, like this is rooted in, as I called it, like the head trash, um, when we have things that are driving our decisions, if we don't deal with them, they keep coming up, right? So they keep showing up, they keep uh, being in the driver's seat of the car, so to speak. And it feels like your hands are tied and you sit there frustrated, scratching your head saying, well, I don't know why I can't just start this business, or I don't know why I can't just X, Y, and Z. And it's because we haven't dealt with the, the head trash. And so we're staying in it or we're staying kind of committed to it. So if we don't address it, it's going to just keep repeating itself until you're ready to address it. Typically. Yeah. In my experience. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. I feel like I see that too. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. <laughs> you have no. to be able to address it in there. Yeah. And, and owning it and saying, yeah. there's something that I'm doing that might be contributing to why I'm not there. Like mm-hmm. I could be frustrated for not growing in XYZ, but if I'm not doing the work, mm-hmm. how would I expect that? Or put in a simple word when I was, you know, doing my Peloton workout this morning, thinking I'm like, oh my gosh, she's so like, she's so fit. I want to do that. Jen, do you commit to the same level of work that she does? I mean, you don't just judge yourself if you don't, but understanding what that takes and addressing it and seeing like, you have to also be invested. Yeah. How do you stepping out. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say stepping out a little bit to your point. Yeah. Cause it's like, I think that's the important part of it for sure. How do you get people, you talked about like living in the gray, um, and that, under that knowing that so many of us were, were raised to like do right or wrong thinking that black or white. I know for me, I can distinctly remember a boss always telling me early on in my career, John, you really need to learn how to live in the gray. Yeah. And I think part of that is like, I had this high value of integrity. And so things very much were painted in this black or white. And so then it made it more difficult to even Mm -hmm. see that things could be a different way. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, do you ever struggle with that? Or do you notice that your clients struggle with understanding how to live in the gray? Oh my gosh. Yes. So all of my (laughs) clients, many of my clients have struggled with that. And I definitely struggled with that. Um, I think I always joke with clients that I'm like, look, if it feels like I'm saying something that you're like, how does she understand the inside of my brain and speak to my soul? It's probably because I felt the same thing before, right? Because I can, I easily identify like, Hey, are we struggling to set some boundaries with leaving the office? Because we feel like we need to prove ourselves because I did that same thing. Right. So I think it's important uh, to know that, yeah, this is a very universal experience for, for many people. Um, but yeah, I've struggled with that. And I think for me, the thing that really helped with like embracing the gray and the fact that I can always decide again, which is something I have to constantly tell myself and uh, I constantly chat with clients about is I think it's really, as someone who really likes to see the world with like certainty and yes, there is right and there is wrong and do the right thing and being taught to do the correct, the honorable choice and da, 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 da. To your point, it's very like morally based. Um, I think it was always hard for me to deal in uncertainty. And I think one of the things that was really helpful for me was when I acknowledged that the world is chaos, which sounds like a scary acknowledgement, but then I acknowledged on top of that, that I am my certainty. So what I mean by that is like, there are going to be things that I can't expect that are going to happen. I had a baby in February, 2020, and I definitely can tell you, I did not expect a global pandemic to start 
one month into her being alive. Uh, there are a lot of things I foresee. That is not one of them. Uh, I'm sure many people agree whether they had a kid at that time or not. And so, you know, there are always going to be the unexpected things, but how I deal with things, how I respond, how I handle things is my sense of certainty. And that actually really helped me because it allowed me to acknowledge like, yes, there are things that I can't control, but I can control myself. I can deal with myself. I can uh, look at the things that I can impact because instead of trying to control the things that are way outside of my control, I instead just focus on trying to control the things that I can actually control. Am I getting enough sleep? Am I uh, feel like I'm yeah doing things that I can do? Yes. And that really reframe has really helped me. Yes. Focus on what you can control. So let's talk about what you can control. <laughs> How can you start to create new patterns? Yeah. So when it comes to reframing the way we think about things, I think what's the most important step that people often want to skip is looking at why they're there in the first place. So often what I see is people say, okay, yes, there is this uh, recurring pattern of you know, struggling to set boundaries at work. And what that's about is, you know, I feel like I really need to prove myself as an employee. Um, I had one client who, when we looked at, okay, why do you feel like you need to work all these hours? She had this realization that she was like, both my parents, my my dad came from Cuba. My mom came from uh, China and both my parents are immigrants. And so there's this thought that like, I feel that I need to make all of their effort to come here worth it. Right. So whatever it is, that's the thing that's driving you to stay in this pattern. I think it's important to look at it why, where it comes from, what has told us that it's true and how it serves us to keep it around. Because I think people so often try and jump quickly to like, oh, well, I, I think that I need to prove myself. So now I'm just going to say, I don't, that's called like repression. And it's not really a great approach to deal with these things. (laughs) Um, so instead we want to focus on, uh, you know, why is it here? How has it served me to keep this around? And then you know, leaving the things that are useful, what's a healthier reframe? So yes, maybe, um, you know, I like, I want to show that I'm a good employee, but it's not just the hours that make me a good employee, for example. Yes. Yeah. I love like, it's, I love that. And I think when you're saying too, because I think this is often a piece that goes overlooked and it's the piece of giving yourself grace. And I know you and I are both coaches, like giving yourself grace to understand that you picked up these patterns at a point where it was likely helping you in some way. You weren't wrong when you picked them up. You observed, you gave the example of the individual whose parents were from Cuba and China and they observed that. And so they picked it up and they knew that their parents may be happy. Maybe that's what it was, that they could Mm -hmm. appease their parents by doing that. And so then you programmed it in. And I think this is an important piece because a lot of people, I think, can go down the path of judging myself. Mm -hmm. Gosh, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. How did I pick that up? No, Mm -hmm. these were natural things that you likely just picked up to help you be successful in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's not working anymore. Exactly. (laughs) It's not going to where you are. So no shade. Don't be mad about it. Right. (laughs) Yes, exactly. People are so quick to judge themselves for it. And like, I think it's helpful to know to anyone who's listening to this, I have never met a single person who has no weird head trash when it comes to their career. No one I've ever worked with has there's a lot of people who think they don't. And then they start this work and they go, Ooh, maybe there is something there. Um, but it's very common. So definitely don't feel that you are alone or isolated in it because it's so, so, so normal. 
Oh my gosh. And I'm just going to call this out too, because if there is someone listening that, you know, I have no issues, I have no challenges. I guess my question would be, are you still growing? Mm -hmm. Because when we say that, then it implies that we don't need improvement. We have reached perfection, which, you know, doesn't exist. And I don't know if you get that. I sometimes get that, you know, I could be delivering a keynote. I could be delivering a class. And sometimes you'll have that person that's like, this doesn't apply to me. It just applies to everyone else. No, really it does. They just maybe don't have that self-awareness yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they haven't been challenged with a coach to say, let's challenge that a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So do you have any response to that? People People want to have grown, right? They want to reach the end destination a lot of the times. And to your point, I like to push clients to say, gosh, wouldn't that be depressing? Wouldn't it be sad if we got to the place where we're like, okay, well, I guess I'm done growing. So it's just a slow slide (laughs) to the end now, right? Like, gosh, that sounds depressing. And so it's a silly thing, but like, I think that actually illustration does help me sometimes to be like, it's actually the growing and the process. And yeah, it can be uncomfortable to be going through the process, but there is not really an end goal. I mean, there's an end that we're moving towards, but we don't really ever reach it typically because wouldn't that be kind of sad? There is no end point. If you're, and if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm -hmm. So when you go through, you know, you're, you're learning how, like you're thinking about that recurring pattern, how you're doing that processing where you can say, you know, how it served you doing that reflection of understanding without judgment, just curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, What would be any insights you have for the reframe that can help someone think like, okay, what's my reframe to this? Cause I think when you're stuck in that thinking, sometimes people are like, Reframe what? No, this yeah. is, I own this and live with this for the rest of my life because I thought it. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's it's hard to explain verbally, but like when I visualize it with clients, we'll typically we'll write out, okay, where did this come from? How has it served me? How has it not served me? And then we look at all those things to build our reframe with that in mind. Because again, I think it's important. What we don't want is the overswing of the pendulum. So we don't want to just say opposite of the thing that we've always thought because. That's not going to work. We're not going to buy it. But instead, we want to push ourselves a little bit. So, for example, if you've always told yourself the only way to be successful is in a nine to five, maybe you can instead of saying, no, the only way to be successful is doing your own business, that's not necessarily the counter we want. Instead, maybe it's something like there are a lot of ways to be successful. And to me, success would feel like A, B, and C. And so we want to like look at why you've kept that around, what it's served you, what it's protected you from, um, to believe that thing, whether it's uh, the only way to be successful as corporate or whatever else baggage that you have. Uh, We want to take some time to look at it so then we can take that into account into our reframe to just push ourselves a little further. Because essentially, the thing with head trash is it's stuff that can be true, but is not 100% of the time true. And when we get into trouble is when we say, without fail, this is always, you know, the answer. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I feel like it's, it's very uh, needy, kind of hard to talk through verbally. So, oh, I think it's great. And it brings up, I feel like I'm going to call them maybe uh, traditional leadership rules. And one that I, that came to mind as you were talking is 
when I was early on in my career, there was always this rule. Like if you're, you know, if you're working later than six, you're committed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or, and I think that one took a long time to break because it created this culture of like everyone who was competing to be the Mm -hmm. first in the last out. So you could show how great you were. And I think that was so hard for me initially to go Mm -hmm. into an organization that Mm -hmm. maybe did practice work-life integration. And I was like, what, what do you mean? People are Mm -hmm. People are coming in at 9.30. Don't they know that you have to be... Wait, you're leaving early for mm-hmm. a soccer game? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think about that because it is true. It's taking the power back. Like just because someone gave you that pattern or that might've been a learned lesson from that culture, you know, the reframe is just the switch in definitions of it. It's not, you know, who's to say that because you're working 90 hours that you're putting in the best work or that you always have to work 10 hours a day to be a valued employee. I yeah. mean, on the flip side, you could be maybe not as efficient, right? Yeah. Or you could be talking or yeah. <laughs> and then you're over there judging everyone else saying like, Ooh, did you see that Sally didn't arrive till 10? Right. And all you're doing is, is yeah. Shooting yourself in the foot because Yes, there's so much more to the being a good employee than the hours you work. Um, but I think if we can't push ourselves beyond that, it can be very limiting and very challenging. And we have to be the first one to actually deal with our stuff before we can do anything about it. So I could never actually get up and leave to go to my workout class that I wanted to go to at 5 p.m. until I dealt with my own feelings of, oh my gosh, everyone's going to get up and point and say, loser, she's not trying very hard. <laughs> Whatever I was scared was going to happen. Right. And, you, know, you do it a few times and the walls don't crumble and you say, okay, so maybe I, this is something that was a uh, me-supported uh, concern. Yes. I love that. I mean, get curious. What would be your last, maybe I know that we're wrapping up this podcast. What would be any last pieces of advice or insights you would want to share? You would want people to know as it relates to, you know, addressing these recurring patterns. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I know I mentioned it before, but I do think it's really important to acknowledge one, you are not the only person who is feeling these things or having these fears or having head trash. So many people have stuff, uh, stuff might look a little different, but everyone has stuff. And then also you, you, until you're ready to learn them, that is the right timeline. So don't feel like, oh my gosh, I need to do all of this now, or don't feel like, oh, I should have learned this before or whatever else is coming up for you. I think that can be like a really common sentiment of this. And I think maybe it's because I tend to work with perfectionist high achievers that maybe I hear more of this, but there can be a lot of this pressure of like, yeah, needing to, to get through all of this quickly. But once you're ready to learn it, you can take the time to learn it, take the time to do it right. And then you can move forward. There's no rush in the process, unfortunately, but yeah, that's how you get to actual results. You are exactly where you are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Chris, how do people get in touch with you? I know we're going to talk about this in our closing outro, but just in case they want to hear from your mouth, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. So Chris Castillo, um, I am the female Chris Castillo, which normally makes me easier to find because a lot of people don't expect me to uh, be who I am when they look for me. Uh, my business is Empowered Achievers and you can find me at theempoweredachievers.com. Thank you so much, Chris, for sharing your time, your expertise, all of the knowledge and stories. We are so grateful. Thank you for inspiring me to, again, take that ownership around what patterns are holding me back that, you know, are keeping me from that ideal that I want to actually achieve. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I really enjoyed my conversation with Chris and I hope that you did too. And if you want to get to know more about her, there are multiple offerings, but to learn more about Chris, the coaching that she offers or her self-study program, the People Chaser School, go to beempoweredachievers.com where you can schedule a free exploratory call. If you know someone that could benefit from this, please share it with them. And of course, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service.